Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Well, there's a little bit of an issue here because although you can hear me speaking into the microphone, I'm hearing you through the computer audio. Hmm. Oh, but I just changed it hmm. in the menu. Hmm. So now it's now it's good. Is it is that a, is that a way that you prefer it? To do it in a menu. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be able to hear like that. Oh, I like to hear you mm-hmm. in my headphones and not just like across the room. Because if you say the word computer, computer, then oh, uh, it sets off your lady. Yeah, the lady's going to ask us, or she's going to tell us how much. Did you rainfall. choose that for for Star Trek reasons? Amazon Basin. Uh, that calling her computer. Mm. No, the little boy across the street, Jared, uh, is familiar with the Amazon dingus. And so he used to come into the house and say, Alexa, play Old Town Road. (laughs) And I would say, Jared, don't control our Alexa. Stop saying it. You're not allowed. You're not authorized. <laughs> and he would go, oh, okay, sorry. And then he would go into, you know, because there's, there's one of these di- uh, donguses in mm-hmm. like four different places in the house. So he'd go somewhere else. he just run from dongus to dongus. <laughs> well, because there's like, you know, kids running around. Sure, sure, sure. So they'd be in some other room and he would say, you know, Alexa. Oh, boy. Play mm. Old Town Road. <laughs> okay, okay. Please email John. And um, and then it would come it would come alive out of the donguses, mm-hmm. and I would come throttle the kid and say, "You don't have the never speak to, don't talk to my girlfriend." You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't 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 speak to me or my son ever again. Yeah, and my son so, Dongus. I love it very much. Don't talk to Dongus. Yeah. And so, and I changed it to, the thing is you can only change it to four things. So I changed it to all four of them and eventually like computer, like Mm -hmm. no one, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. No one thinks you're going to call it that. Oh, she just lit up. She didn't know what, oh, I said Spanish Inquisition. Maybe she's going to say something. Uh, She didn't. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, that's why it's called computer. All right. Yeah, I wish you could come up for for uh, convenience and security reasons. I, I I wish you could pick your own word. Yeah. Oh my God, it would all be swear words, though. I would. It would be like the it's already all swear words. Dongus. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of dongus. Stop. Dong- dongus. Stop. Dongus. Go home. Dongus. Go home. Dongus. Stop. Dongus. Stop. Dongus. Stop. Dongus. Stop. Dongus. Stop. <laughs> dongus would be a great name for a dog. Or, or, or a pretty little girl. Dongus. This is my daughter, Dongus. I love her very little, much. A little Dongus. A little Dongus. Those little, like, curly pigtails. Yeah. Sweet little Dongus. <laughs> it's a family name. We call her Dong. Well, when I say it's a family name, she is in my family. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at some family names yesterday. I'm on a, uh, I'm on a uh, genealogy thing because I'm a boomer, but also because, you know... As a, as a, uh, you know, my parents were older, mm-hmm. and so you, you came sort of late in the process right. compared to your siblings of uh, other times, right. and and you know to accuse me of being a boomer is not entirely wrong in that you're not a boomer. What are you talking about? Well, well, in that my dad is a World War II veteran and my mom was born is silent generation, right? Oh, right. Graduation's hanging on the wall. Got it. Yep. Yeah. So she was born in 34. My dad was born in 21. So I have boomer uh, older siblings on, 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 you know, both sides. That's why I'm so interested in both sides and everything. Mm. But so my parents... And all of my relatives, by the time I arrived in 1968, they were all over it. You know, they were in just thick in middle age. My dad was my age in 1971. So, um, so a lot of my interests, a lot of my vocabulary, a lot of my just personal, you know, and this isn't like talking about 
loving classic rock or something. It's just like when I was a kid, what did what, what did we sit around and talk about? Fucking World War II. You, you're giving me an angle on this I had never considered before. Um, I know all of these – well, first of all, I mean it's, it's approximately 20 percent more useful than asking somebody what their sign is. But let's set that aside for now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the the notion is that after World War II, there was a big, um, as I say, boom. A boom. A lot of intercourse, made some babies, boom. moved to the suburbs, put the graduations uh, on the wall with hanging. Mm-hmm. And, right. um, and then that the children of the – so, but, but I've heard it described as up to – so I, th- I feel like I'm right on the cusp from a technical standpoint, 66. Hmm. Hmm. But you're giving me a thought technology. I can't believe it never occurred to me before. It was like, what if the qualification is not when you were born, but when your parents were born? Sort of. Because that's how you're going to get raised. Yeah. You know, it uh, it takes a something to make a something. You know what I mean? Coming through the rye. That's super interesting to me. Yeah. Well, you know, I dated uh, back in the day, uh, let's see, when? In the early 2000s, I dated Shanti. Do you remember Shanti? Shanti. Shanti was a little bit before your time. But the reason that we say Shanti is Shanti. because uh, that was the very early days of having a flip phone that you could you could push a button and then talk to. You could say someone's name and it would dial that person. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Nin- 19, 2000 or whatever it was. <laughs> I got and, my uh, first. I got my first cell phone in 1999, and yeah. I felt a little bit late to the game. But uh, it was a candy bar, not a flip oh. phone. But I remember when, like, just a year before, it was all about those Motor- Motorola StarTacs because they mm. were like the Star Trek communicator. People loved it. Yeah. Mine, my first phone was an LG. I got it when I think it was 2001. Early in 2001 – no, no, no. I'm sorry. It would have been late 2001. I was very late to that game. Maybe maybe October of 2001. Michael Schilling and I went to the phone store and bought phones. We each got a phone. Cool. And I was dating Shanti. And Shanti was out of character for me. She was what we at the time called an, an Egyptian, which meant that she wore <laughs> – she wore uh, like Cleopatra eyeliner, mm-hmm. and <laughs> she like, was a lifestyle Egyptian. <laughs> she was. She, you know, she was one of those girls that in the nineties, you know, wore a turban and danced, oh, right, you know, right, with right. the bing wee, wee, listening to trip hop and whatnot, mm-hmm. and went to Burning Man back in the eighties or whatever. She was not somebody that norm that was part of my normal social world. She and I were bump. Uh, w- well, because she was the ex-girlfriend of Cody, and Cody was in one of those Swerve Driver style, uh, like uh, chill wave band. Not chill wave. What would you call that stuff? Uh, like uh, a poppy shoegaze band. Shoe shoegaze, but yeah, shoegaze, right? Uh, super loud, and they all wore. You know, they were those were the fingernail polish boys, and and they were all a <laughs> lot prettier than me, and they lived in a pretty world. They were, you know, they were all really pretty. But they had good hair, huh? They had amazing hair. They they were all like really slim and and ethereal. And when I started dating Shanti, it was a real scandal in this town because it was like, well, it was like the Socials and the Conserves. Yeah, I was gonna say know? the uh, uh, Capulets and the Montagues. Yeah, I mean, you know, because I like, I was, I wore wool, you know, mm-hmm. it was just not a thing that, and it was the two worlds she, should never have she's met. Cheer, she's cheer captain and you're in the bleachers. <laughs> That's right. Well, and the problem with this was that years before 1994, I had dated Kira. Oh boy. And Kira went on to date Jeremy and Jeremy was in a band with Cody and Kira and Jeremy went out for many, many Long times. This is less of a rock family tree than more of a rock family shrub. It's a it's it's a small a world. Naughty naughty shrub. Nobody knows about uh, this particular thing because those shoegazer Egyptian uh, uh, people were like such a different such a different universe. Yeah. And we, but you know, like they were sure that they were that they were like uh, fancy boys, but they were still boys. You know, they still would like. They still wanted to like, hmm. you know, 
get all in each other's faces about things, although mm. not in a, not, not in a, like, let's fight, but in a, like, I don't know. It was, boys like that. They want to, they want to get on that dongus. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so having dated Kira before, that was a situation where Jeremy dated Kira after me. So it was like, you know, we were all young, so there was, it was plausible. Right. But for me to date Shanti was just like, well, it destroyed everything. Can I, ask a, Which was can I ask a question that might be problematic? Sure. Um, in the lifestyle Egyptian shoegaze community, was she regarded as like a particularly attractive and desirable member of the community? Yes. Well, unfortunately, Cody was – Cody looked and looks even now at age 50 like Sting in Quadrophenia. Oof. Like platinum hair that was like – that never stopped, you know, kind of just, um, he was, he was like queen of the scene in a way, just really, um, oh, and that's, you know, and everybody was like queer too, in addition to being, you know, mostly straight, but like it was very, and so Cody was like king and not, it wasn't king exactly, but like Shanti and Cody were elven, you know, oh, like, like high elves, really high elves, super high elves. And so, mm. and, you know, and I think Cody really loved her hmm. and Shanti was like, you know, can't tell me what to do. No, kind I was going like, to say, I'll bet she's a free spirit. <laughs> going to fly over everybody. Mm-hmm. And so whatever, the fact that, the fact that we bumped into each other and, and when we bumped into each other, we immediately couldn't stand each other, but it was raining and we had to walk together I don't know, because rain brings people together. It was like, oh, it's raining. Hey, John, this is Shanti. Shanti, John. I was like, oh, hey. And she's just the first words out of her mouth. I was like, oh, my God, I can't stand you. And then by the time we got to the top of the hill, uh, she was like, do you want to get a drink? And I was like, I don't drink. And she was like, great. And so we went to a bar, and by the end of the day, we were dating. We went my out for goodness. whatever, a Moments year. snap together like magnets. You never know what's going to happen, do you? It's really amazing. She was the one that went seriously, down to seriously. Seriously, isn't it? Isn't it wild? Totally wild. And yeah. oh, and and that's the that's what made it so scandalous because it was, came out of nowhere. There's no way. There's no reason that Shanti and I should ever have gone to a second location together. It was only that we yeah. met downtown in the rain and were introduced, and then we all walked up a hill together. And by the time we got to the top of the hill, it was like, well. Yeah, I'll, I guess I'll go get a drink. I was just listening, just finished a, a long episode of a podcast I like called Blank Check. Uh, long story short, they were talking about When Harry Met Sally, and which I love so much. And it's they, a great movie. Yeah, we watched it last night again. And um, But like they say something, they said so many smart things, because they're uh, Griffin and David are very smart. Blank Check, mm. check it out. Mm. But they said something, um, Griffin said something I thought was so interesting. Um, it's like when you think about, like it sounds obvious, but like when you think back on the memories that you have with people – it's so often very uh, locatable with a location or a mm. song or yeah. a meal. And it's like, you know, you may not remember all the nights that you sat and watched Netflix for three hours, but like when you, often, I think he was in particular talking about meals and the importance of food um, in that movie. But in that case, like, doesn't that feel indelible to you now yeah. that, that one day that by the end of the day, it must have felt practically shocking that it was still one of those days that feels <laughs> like 35 hours long and you're like, it's still the same day. And we're, and now this is, we're, are we doing this? This is crazy. Yeah. Because, but because after we parted ways, she gave me her number, wrote it on a piece of paper because that was the style of the time. Mm-hmm. Back when we used to use paper. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I got home and, you know, like took off my raincoat, my, my, my famous blue raincoat. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> You know, whatever, made a grilled cheese sandwich or something, and then picked up the phone and called her. And she answered the phone, and I was like, it's John. And she said, because she was fancy, she said, "Uh, you're not supposed to call me. And I said, what do you mean? And she was like, well, no one ever calls that day. They wait. Mm -hmm. They wait like two days three days. You're something. supposed to be making me miserable. You're supposed to gaslight <laughs> yeah. me and make me uncertain of myself. What kind of man yeah. are you? 
And I was like, <laughs> <"Fucking> well, <weirdo." laughs> anyway, here I am. So anyway, what are you, gonna, you know, what are you going to do about it? And yeah. she was like, this is amazing. This yeah. is like unprecedented. I yeah. don't, she was genuinely baffled and like impressed and flabbergasted that I had called her that day. So it was just, yeah, it all happened in one day. But Shanti was not approved of by any of my friends. Oh, I've, interesting. I have, I have discussed how the, uh, how the fancy Egyptians uh, felt about me, which they continue to feel about me to this day, although they all came to the Western State Hurricane shows. Did they become Romulans? They were Romulans. It sounds were, like it's a, what you're describing. It feels like, you know, in the same way you would go like, oh, is there a difference between like a, a rocker and a teddy boy and a greaser? And it's like, well, there, there are distinctions. Yes. You know what I mean? But like the tight pants and the, uh, and the eyeliner and that, that Romulan haircut, you know, there's some DNA in there. The thing is that the, that the, that the Egyptians were Romulans, mm-hmm. but not all Romulans were Egyptians. Okay. But my people were like, Shanti? Mm-hmm. Even people that had never met her, they, they said, you're dating someone named Shanti? What the... What is what is a shanti? I only I, I only like, I think I think it's from Hinduism, but I only know it from the end of the wasteland. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, you know peace, it's right it's peace yeah, yeah. In, shanti uh, shanti shanti in Sanskrit. Okay, right, right, right. So and she had she had the she had the the Sanskrit for shanti tattooed on the back of her neck. That no, was the other. No, thing. no, no, she no, had, no. She didn't. She had a lot of tattoos in the, in the early. Wait, hang on. Sorry, what what year? 2000. 2000. Okay. 2000. That's, that's, some, that's some pretty early uh, next Sanskrit, I got to say. Well, but she had, uh, she had tattoos in many. She had a thumb uh, ring? There's a lot of curiosity thumb ring? No, not toe a ring? thumb ring. Toe ring? She did not have, interesting that you bring that up, she did not have any piercings. Oh, and I, I think it was more. because she was an adventure girl and mm-hmm. wanted to not get caught on a chain link fence. I was thinking... This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Mac Weldon. You can learn more about Mac Weldon right now by visiting MacWeldon.com. Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Friends, their website is so easy to use. You just drop some stuff in a basket and then they send it to your house. It's really that easy. It's a very beautiful website. Listen, Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor, and they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you with no questions asked. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well, too. Great for working out, going to work, staying at home, going on dates, I don't know, sitting in a tree fort, or just, you know, making a podcast for the global internet. I love it all. Mac Weldon really does value its loyal customers, and that is why they've created the Weldon Blue loyalty program. Here's how it works. First you go, you create an account. Easy. That's totally free. At level one, you place an order for any amount, and you never pay for shipping again. What? But then level two, buddy, membership has its privileges, because once you purchase $200 worth of products from Mac Weldon, not only will you continue to receive free shipping, but you will also start saving 20% on every order that you make for the next year. Woof. Also, Level 2, it grants you access to new products before they're released to anyone else, as well as free gifts added to future orders. Uh, right now, I am, I'm wearing some Mack Weldon uh, right now. I'm wearing the Tech Cashmere Long Sleeve and Charcoal Heather Size XL because I like a roomy fit. Uh, highly recommended. I buy tons of their stuff. They are, they are really my go-to source of clothes. Is that sad? I hope not. I really like them a lot. So listen, please. Go to MacWeldon.com slash R-O-T-L, just like it sounds, and that'll get you 20% off your first order using the promo code R-O-T-L, R-O-T-L, just like it sounds. Our thanks to Mac Weldon for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. Exactly what I was thinking. Yes. So so did she also, did she invest in good foot, footwear for climbing? Yeah. She, you know, she was like, let's go to Thailand. Let's go to, you know, let's go to I could a, see her being a, a barefoot Bangalore. person. She was barefoot. Mm-hmm. She was a barefoot. She was also a like a like a trapeze circus fire person. Fire. She made a living for a while as a circus fire person. as a fire juggler. 
girlfriend that worked at Arby's. (laughs) She was a fire juggler. (laughs) She always smelled like Arby's, (laughs) but I loved her. Oh, I wish she worked at Arby's. She didn't like taking her shoes off. She didn't like her feet, but she did smell like Arby's. I love love the smell of Arby's in the morning. I love Arby's. But she was, yeah, she was like a circus, circus contraption person. Okay. But my friends and my mm-hmm. universe couldn't believe her because she had a she had a, a very she had a loud laugh. She was very she was an exhibitionist. She a free spirit, John. She was really a free spirit. Yeah. She really That's really very intimidating liked. too, especially a lot of dudes. And let's be honest, some of the ladies. She very would sit at a, at a big table. And she was one of those people that you never didn't know she was there. <laughs> sure. And uh, and. All of that flamboyance and all of those many scarves and the many, many, uh, like fires and tattoos and, and laser beams that shot out of her. Honestly, when I think back at it, I cannot put together exactly what it was that made us a couple because culturally there was so little that, uh, to draw on, mm-hmm. but we were absolutely inseparable for a year. Really? And wow, you know, and like, like I got her into books, and she changed the way I dress a little bit, and it was like we just loved hanging out with each other. And there were times that she, I mean, you know, I'm fairly immune to embarrassment, but there were times that she would push me right to the limit of, of how much, because, you know, the introversion problem, I don't like to walk into a giant space and, I mean, I assume everybody is there to see me, but I don't Mm -hmm. want to draw immediate attention to myself. Gotta read the room. She does, right? She walks in and it's just like, Mm ta-da! Kapow. She went down to the restaurant where Megan worked mm-hmm. and sat down at a table and Megan came over and was like, you know, hi, can I take your order or whatever? She, Megan worked at the little French place, the uh, the little Le Pichet. And Shanti said, um, my name is Shanti and I am John's new girlfriend. Ugh. So I would like you to know that John has a new girlfriend and so you should meet me and here I am. <laughs> and, me, and Megan was... Which is her way of saying, I'd like a large plate of awkwardness, please. (laughs) Yeah. Just, no, she just went down for this reason. Really? Just like, I have no idea why you would come in here and and tell me this. I don't care. I'm not dating John anymore. Right. And so, fine, I guess. But it was, was it less marking? I wonder if it was less of marking her territory and more of uh, radical candor. No, I think it was marking her territory. Okay, okay. I mean, I think it was that she had heard – I never talked to her about Megan, but she had heard the legend of Megan, and she <laughs> wanted to make sure that Megan got the picture. Uh-huh. And, you know, and right. like whatever, Megan's and my style of communication was completely not this, you know? Like there was no – this was not in the style of the time and, and not in my culture. So, so – and then, of course, I heard about it. And I was like, oh, Shanti, don't go, don't go poke that hornet's nest with a stick. Like, you know, the last thing you want to do is activate Megan. Right. She was like, oh, I can handle Megan. I was like, yeah, that's the thing. You don't, just don't even, don't even, don't, don't do that. Don't even try. (laughs) Yeah. And we're back, we're back to, you know, um, you know, uh, the chicken is involved, but the pig is committed. Like that's Mm -hmm. a lot of problems to create for you that may not be that positive of an impact in the long term. Right, and you know what I'm saying. Just like you, you like you see a hornet's nest. You're going in there and you're stirring up something that's going to cause unnecessary hostility in my life. Because you also you strike me. Well, you said as much that you're a person who, all other things being equal, would prefer to stay friends and friendly with yes. an ex. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and so you know, and Megan and I got back together mm-hmm. two years Psych. later. So it's not it's not like Shanti was wrong. <laughs> oh, oh, did did did, uh, did did Megan have some words with Shanti after that? <laughs> Oh, hey, how's it uh, going? I don't oh, go where you work and knock the boyfriend out of your mouth. 
No, so 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 what happened was, you know, Shanti and my relationship ended at some point. She actually joined a circus and ended up in New York City where she made uh one critically acclaimed racy movie which part of its critical acclaim was its raciness. Okay. In in an early two thousands way of like oh well, we're gonna break down all the boundaries of what it qualifies as you know it was like an independent film but it it was a it was like a celebrated one and then she truly I think professionalized fire juggling and uh, and now as as happens <laughs> if you're in any of the circuses um, she it's like according a, to Hoyle. Like before, according <laughs> before Hoyle came along, you know, people were playing all kinds of fucked up card games, not didn't know what they were doing. Probably, let's be honest, getting into, into a lot of altercations. And then he said, "No, this is how Quist works, or this mm. is how Cribbage works, or this is mm-hmm. how Contract Bridge works." You're saying Shanti did something similar to professionalize? Uh, f- is it fire juggling? Fire juggling. So she's a juggler, but it's also fire. The thing is that it's all in the family of burlesque, right? Okay. So it's not she's not there like in a burlap sack juggling. She's there in a layer. But she's also not dressed costume. like Dita Von Tees. No, no, it's it's all it's all the well, it's like part of the reason that I always describe that culture as the Egyptians is that it it has that like bikini made out of copper kind of uh snake taming Culture, oh, I see. Like a woke you know? slave Leia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, or, or, you know, like of all the, all the cultures combined to make one that seems both I, I, I'm trying not to be re- and also science fiction-y. I'm trying not to be reductive here, but there was a – or I'm not, definitely I'm not trying to be unkind, but like there is a shorthand for a time in American cultural history that some people call the United Colors of Benetton where Benetton was bending over backwards and sometimes did a pretty cool job of like trying to represent not just uh, people of color, but people of all kinds of colors and people in all kinds of cool clothes. And they're creating this whole like, you know, Amer- what do they say? America's not a melting pot, it's a salad. They wanted to make this like a, this international movement of, of gorgeous people mm-hmm. in cool clothes with different backgrounds and skin colors, right? And I, I think that's kind of cool. I mean, if you're going to be a corporation, you could do worse than that. But it was also part of this sort of like, it had not been so long since uh, whatever David Byrne's label is and the rise of what we came to call world music. Like yeah. there's all, there is, there was this like internationalism on the rise, and I think especially in culture, this isn't so far. This is around the time, for example, Corner Shop did Brimful of Asha. Like you started to hear like songs with the, for the first time in a pretty long time, at least since probably the seventies. The, the music, the culture, the visual arts. You think about Basquiat. Things were more and more um, multi-axis in terms hmm. of the influence and impact. Right, I mean, kind of. So I don't mean to sound like I'm making fun of people or, or whatnot, no. but Shanti sounds like she was part of this. Like, hey, let's let's have fun with, you know, uh, international identity things. You are 100 percent correct. You are 150 percent. She's not wearing a Jamiroquai head, headdress, is what I'm saying. No, it's not. It's not. She's not calling herself. She was not falsely appropriating Native Americanism. But so the 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 the, the band that was at the heart of the Egyptian Romulan axis. Cause Romulans are, a, are a, a form of fingernail boy pop punk. Yeah. As much as they are anything else. Whereas the Egyptians are fingernail boy, pop punk world's, uh, Ooh, yeah. the world, beautiful people. But, but isn't part of it. Like you, you can see these, if it were, if you were doing a Venn diagram or a red yarn on a wall, there would, there would be lots of commonalities and connections, but like, what, what I want to say, like, what's that band I hated? Murder City people? Devils. Murder would, City Do they count as Romulans? Absolutely. Okay. So part you got the, the, you got the tight pants, you got the, you got the haircuts, you got the black everything, but like, yeah, sure. That affects people. That is a look that is shared somewhat with even people like the strokes, but it's also got overlap with emo, what later emo and previously goth. Right. But, you know, totally different head. We're talking about different stuff here. We're talking one is much more Susie and the Banshees, and the other one is much more, uh, well, I was going to say Velvet Underground, but is that making any sense? Like, they're, well, they're, they share DNA, but they're not the same thing. 
And the, the thing is that in a, in a city like Seattle at the time, um, the scene is small. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a, it's a scene. It's a scene in the, it's the scene in the old days before the internet where it, it was a scene in a town and there wasn't, if you were, if you were Susie and the Banshees in Seattle, <clears throat> you didn't have access to all the Susies of the Banshee around the world. Mm-hmm. You just had the ones that were here. And the thing about the Romulans and the Egyptians was that they were both beautiful people and mm-hmm. beautiful people find one another and they are they exceptionalize themselves away from schlubby people, <laughs> and so the fact that the that high Romulans and high Egyptians were both beautiful meant they had more in common with each other wow. than people that were playing more similar music or living more similar style. Got it. The heart and soul of the Egyptians was a band called Maktub. And Maktub, and that's M-A-K-T-U-B, Maktub was um, a funk, soul, hip-hop, blues, world, uh, jazz mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an Arabic word that means it is written. And Maktub was headed, was fronted by... Uh, Reggie Watts, the oh, wow. comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he makes the mouth noises on uh, uh, Comedy Bang Bang and whatnot. That's right. He is the Comedy Bang Bang guy. And in, at the time, he was a Seattle um, – he, he was just a, a real presence in the Seattle music scene. He was uh, – he's a, a wonderful piano player. And before he got – before he did comedy – for a decade in Seattle, he was like a like a jazz bow, like a hip hop jazz Hipster jazz bow. Yeah, he was jazz enough that he could hang with the jazz bows. Although, you know, I don't think that like the the like the real hot jazz people considered him that jazz. But mm-hmm. he could sit. I watched him many times sit down at a Rhodes piano and and jazz it up with with you know a Guitar player, a trumpet player, uh, you know, I mean, just like do little three to five person combos. Like he had the chops. That's cool. But he also was a singer and a composer. And he, and so Mocktube was this band that had, that played really big shows, you know, big sold out showbox shows, where it was the thing about Mocktube is if you listen, if you, if you take all those words, you know, Jazz, blues, soul, funk, hip hop, and you put them all together, what you end up with, in my experience, is no hooks. Mm. Because it's all vibe, it's all groove, it's all like, you know, like everything's groove, it's very groovy. But the arrangements, the arrangements are so difficult. When I go back and listen to like um, Remain in Light, or um, Fear of Music era, Talking Heads, and you watch some of their live shows, like their live show in Rome, you appreciate how much it's about arrangement. Not only is everybody just super good at their instrument, but the arrangements still afford room. You get all these crazy polyrhythms and all that kind of stuff, but if, if you're not, if your arrangements for that, and like if the sound in the room is not, you know what I mean? It can, it can really just kind of sound like a, like a big bowl of jazz sauce. Yeah, and that was what I, that was the, point at which because Mocktube and the western state hurricanes were playing shows contemporaneously but also i'd known reggie mm-hmm. since reggie was 20 years old like he showed up, he was one of your nemeses well it was he showed up here from montana you know the, the thing that that makes reggie even more fascinating is That's that he's crazy. from crazy and he's not from Bo- bozeman he's from big sky like he's from damn uh, He's from small town Montana and showed up in Seattle, like with his, you know, piano over his shoulder, like, Hey everybody, I'm, you know, my name's Reggie. I'm from, I'm from whatever Helena. And it was like, Hey man. And so he got into the Cornish, uh, cause Cornish is like an arts college here that really affects the jazz and dance 
scenes in mm-hmm. the town, kind of more than like other music or theater or anything, but like jazz and dance mm-hmm. really um, Cornish has an outsized impact. He got in with the, the Cornish thing and he started doing this and you know, Reggie was always my nemesis a little bit because Reggie could stand at a part. Reggie is, is a big entertainer mm-hmm. and he's not somebody that walks in the room and is like, Hey everybody. But it, but if Reggie posts up in a corner at a party, pretty soon there's a crowd. Around. I've been in a room with him a couple times and he definitely has, whether he means to have it or not, has the energy of like somebody like me really wants to be liked by him. He's, yeah, he's he's very charismatic, but he's also he's extremely cool in the old sense of the word. You know what I mean? Like, like a, some people just put up this vibe. Yeah, they put off a vibe of like, yeah, boy, it's, I would really hope that that person can not hate me. <laughs> They're he's so also, cool. <laughs> he was always really funny. This was before he even considered, I think, being a comedian. It was before he thought about that at all. He wanted to be a musician, mm-hmm. but he would sit in the corner, you know, and he's holding court. Sure. Right. He uh, the, and and what made him my nemesis is that uh, <laughs> there's like so much oxygen in Seattle. <laughs> well, there's that, but also he's one of those people that you you never have a conversation with him, right? You mm. stand there and listen to him, <laughs> and um, and it's not like he ever looks at you and says like, "Tell me about that thing you're wearing." Like he's just mm. he's you know he's got his thing. He's also a great frisbee player, which is something that puts him in a in a high rank mm-hmm. in my estimation. If hmm. you can really throw a frisbee like that. That's that nice. matters. And yeah. he really can. And I think that's his Montana. But like nice and flat and even and far. Just like – and he can do all – he can – Work in the spin. Forehand, he can catch it oh, this man. way and that way. He can put it right into your hands. But that's he can a lost also art, John. I mean I know people still do it, but I mean they might as well be butter churning at this point. People just don't what, Frisbee like they used to. I will go Frisbee with anybody at any time. It takes I me about frisbee. three minutes to get my game back yep, and then yep, yep. off we go. <clears throat> uh, no, what made Reggie my ultimate nemesis was that he dated Megan. And he dated Megan during the period that I was dating Shanti, which was, mm. again, like a complete – it was a complete twist through. And I remember, I remember saying to Megan, Reggie, really, of everybody? And she was like, oh, Shanti? Mm. And she kind of won that one, yeah. right? Because it's like, well, I mean, Reggie at least is like a big – Reggie, he's Reggie. BMOC. Like, yeah. But you know, Megan was not Egyptian or mm. wrong. Uh-huh. Really, Megan sure. was like Megan was cat power. Hmm. Oh wow! That's, okay, that's a different story. Oh yeah, for sure. Anyway, Shanti, 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 and it turned her name turned into that because I used to say that to my phone, and Sean Nelson would listen. You know, we'd be in the van or whatever, and I would go Shanti, and the phone would call her, and then Sean just referred to her as Shanti, and then everybody did. <laughs> And then eventually I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, it, it It's viral. You should interrogate that. But Shanti and I were sitting and talking one time, and she said that her that when she was born, her mother was 22. And when her mother was born, her grandmother was 22. And that going back in her own personal history, her the women in her family had children around the age of 22. And Shanti was saying this because at the time – she was 26 and um, <clears throat> had not had a kid. She brought this up. Was it in the service, do you think, of saying that she's behind on expectations because she is not even in the committed pre-stage of that? Well, yeah. I mean, it's a conversation that you have over the years. Like, oh, you know, interesting. Like, do you want kids? What's your sure. kid's situation? But, you know, she was busy, like, dancing the dance of a thousand veils. She wasn't uh, thinking about kids, I don't think, at the time. She might have been running it by me as a kind of like, hey, so Mm -hmm. what's our, you know. But what was interesting about it to me, because because if if that conversation was, are we going to get married, that went right over my head. Mm -hmm. What, What was interesting was I said, my dad was 48 when I was born and my mom was 36. And my dad's mom was... All like 36 when he was born. And if you look at the dates of uh, people in my family on both sides, <clears throat> they're super late breeders. Yeah. Like always, hear. always late thirties in, uh, and, and a lot of times the, the, um, the, you know, the lady is in her late thirties and the dad is in his late forties. 
And as I sat there talking to her about it and she was like, oh, that's, you know, that's weird. Like my grandmother was born. My grandmother was born later than your mom. So you could be a 45 year old grandma. Right. Pretty wild to think about today. Right. Yeah. And still possible. You mm-hmm. could you could do it anytime you want. Oh, it happens all the time. I can't be a forty five year old grandmother. It's too mm-hmm. late for me. Oh, oh my gosh! I, in a couple ways, right? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. But I realized that just going back to the American Revolution, Shanti was like nine generations or ten generations from the American Revolution, and I was only six, meaning that. Her family was that Shanti was potentially hundreds or thousands of generations more, uh, uh, had thousands more evolved. Yeah, she's had had more generations for uh, the natural selection to kick in. Exactly, she might be a higher being as 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 a lifestyle Egyptian. She's so many iterations from the Ur human. You're twisting my melon this week, John. You're giving me a lot to think about. Right? So all of a sudden, like, all the Neanderthalness of me, Mm. all of the kind of like, it it wasn't just the fact that I sit around and half of the things that come out of my mouth are Victorianisms because my grandmother was born in 1885. And I'm, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, like, oh, 23 skidoo or whatever, (laughs) you know. But, but. Also, you know, I'm so, I mean, my, my like weird stubby forefinger and the, my second toe is longer than my first and I don't have earlobes, like all these weird mm. things that Shanti is like already walking on water <laughs> and uh, you're still and trying to figure out how to swim. <laughs> I really, well, I'm still, yeah, yeah. I can't swim. I just, I walk into the water and I just keep going and I just keep walking along the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Until you see a turtle or die. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never, I've never a hundred percent worked out um, how much that affects. You know, we're we're constantly now talking about boomers and Gen X and millenniums and Zoomers. Yeah, and no one even mentions the greatest generation anymore because they're all gone. And I don't know if anybody remembers the Silent Generation. They didn't even remember them in the seventies. But to think about generations just in terms of just 10, just go back 10. And it's not, not everybody's, not everybody's genealogy <clears throat> is knowable back 10 generations. <laughs> no kidding. But if you think about it, if you think about just in the sense that everybody has, has forebears 10 generations ago and what iteration you are just of that the fact that that my ancestor 10 generations ago was born in i don't know what 1540 and shanti's 10 generations ago was born in 1740 um it's it has to be it has to have a profound effect yes and one that would be completely invisible to us and unknowable really um you'd never be able to you'd never be able to to place it as a, as a factor, you know, people are like, Oh, what's your Enneagram? And I'm like, well, yeah, but like, when was your great, great grandmother born? Hmm. That's got to have at least as much, uh, may, maybe not as important as where was your great, great grandmother born, but, but certainly like it's, it has to reverberate. I sent you, I texted you something at 11.06 that was germane to the conversation. And now at 11.49, it is even more germane to the conversation. Here it is. Um, so <clears throat> I just, I don't want to say the names here, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Top three I, na- there's three names. Oh, no. And then there's a bunch. We can talk of about you don't want to say na- any of these wonderful names. Well, well, <laughs> we, let's talk about, we can talk about the three names at the top. So what, what John is looking at right now. Well, first of all, let me just stipulate. I have a lot of time on my hands, mm-hmm. which in some ways is, is the greatest but it does allow me the opportunity to find 45 minutes or an hour to make something like what i have made here so my um my kid and i'll throw it back to you after this but i thought you might find this interesting i will send you the code for this if you want to do this for your family my kid was 
talking about something, and I found myself wondering this thing that, you know, it's one of those things that kind of floats around in your head. You have surely wondered this at some time or another, where you go like, huh, well, my kid is this old today. I wonder what date I was my kid's age right now. Yeah. And conversely, I wonder what date my kid will be the age I am now or whatever. Like, you know, so it's always, it's interesting to me to think about stuff like, you know, I have these, just because I'm a stupid white guy from Ohio, I have a lot of things that are sort of pegged to events like Christmas certain year or when Star Wars came out. So like, I know that the Beverly Hills Supper Club fire um, that my aunt and uncle were almost in uh, outside Cincinnati, I know that happened about a week before I saw Star Wars. There's a lot of stuff. Like, I know there's a Neil Young album that came out in 1977, and I think about Star Wars. So I want to do something similar here. And so I did some quick back of the envelope, and I was like, wow, this is so wild. The age that this is when I did this last week or whatever. The age that my kid is, right this second, in number of days, is the age that I was right before we realized that we'd be moving to Florida. We were currently moving my grandmother out of her house in Florida to move to Cincinnati with us. But long story short, you know what I mean? You can just yeah, look and see yeah, like yeah. when did certain dates happen. You so, were her age in 1979. Yeah, so right now, my kid, the age that my kid is today, I was that age on July 16th, 1979. Um, I just, I find this, looking through some of these older ones, so for example, um, <laughs> right now, um, I am the age that my grandmother was two months before I was born. That's the lower left one. And there's yeah. just, you know, there's all just a whole bunch of these. Um, right now, um, if my dad had lived, this is, um, this is the age that he would have been in 1983. Right. That's mind-boggling to me. So this is not, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, I don't, there's no point in me sharing with, with you guys, but like, it, it is fat, to me, this, this is that kind of thing where like, the number of years, you know, I forget, what, what did I call it? I came up with a name for it, chrononalogies, which Syracuse says is a terrible name. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> chrononalogies are where you would go something like the amount of time from synchronicity till now is the same amount of time from whatever, 37 years before 1983. You know, when you, when you put those next to each other and you're like, whoa, this is like Artie Shaw was popular in that amount of time. How could I possibly be that old? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, we, we do this all the time. The music- I, I do this was- constantly, Yes. Yeah, the, or cars, music, like in 1986, when I graduated from high school, if I had a 20-year-old car, it would have been a 1966 Pontiac, which would have mm-hmm. been, which seemed like it was a, a classic car even then. Yeah. But I drive a 20-year-old Jetta right now, wow. and it just seems like a freaking Jetta. It just looks like a Jetta, and it is a Jetta. A 20-year-old Jetta? A 20-year-old Jetta. Until we got our newer Jetta, we had... A Jetta that was about twenty years old too. Yeah. We bought it. Jetta, Matt and man. I bought it used in nineteen in two thousand, March of two thousand. Yeah. This is this is a two thousand Jetta also. Anyway, I'll send this to you if you want because I think it's, this seems oh, like the kind great. of thing you and your mom and and your kid and everybody would have a lot of fun with. All I have to do is punch in the dates for all the people in the up at the top. But I don't know this this kind of thing. I feel like I I don't know if this generates more light or heat or just warmth, <laughs> but like I do think I do think it's so interesting to try and compare things next to each other like that. I would not have thought about Shanti. I don't say you know she's more evolved, but it's fascinating to think about the difference between. You know, we use that we use that word generation, and it, it has mm-hmm. a couple meanings. I think today, most of the time, when people say a generation, they mean twenty five to thirty American years. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Uh, I, I don't think it's thirty. I think it's more like I think 25. between between twenty and twenty five, and in some right, cases, right, right. you know, like fifteen. But that's the other meaning. The true meaning of generation is the amount of time between being born and bearing a child. Or siring a child, however you want right. to think of it, right? That's right. the other meaning of generation. I never, I never thought of this before. If you have more kids starting earlier, there's all kinds of ways that that creates a different world than people having fewer kids later. And I'm not going to say we don't need to make an idiocracy joke, but like certainly, yeah, you get more people to work on the farm. You get more chance that some of them survive. I mean, that, that the titular grandma there, but she had a brother who died in the flu epidemic. Um, but I don't know. It's such an interesting angle to me. And I, I feel like there is something useful to gain out of looking, doing sort of a transparency overlay with two or more generations and like looking at like what it means. That's, it's fascinating. 
it's really fascinating. You know, the, I don't when I look back at um, <clears throat> at all of the different strains of my family, we did not typically have fifteen kids. We were late breeders and had generally three kids. Um, and and it's not that a lot of us weren't farmers. Um, it's just that the the whole fifteen kid thing didn't didn't happen. And and partly it was I think my mom's people were Quakers. Um, so, Mm -hmm. so that, you know, changes the nature of the size and shape of the family. We talk about this a lot in my house because my daughter is fascinated with like, what was it like when you were a kid? Really? And most recently I realized that, you know, she just got out of third grade. Mm -hmm. I started third grade the year of, uh, in the fall of the bicentennial year. So my second grade year was completely consumed by the bicentennial. We were talking about (laughs) the revolution. The tall ships. The tall ships and the colonial era and the constitution and all of the, you know, all of the stuff around, because the whole nation was consumed with it. And starting in 75, we were watching Rocky the other night, which is a movie that came out in 1975. And it's, Remember the whole the the peg for that is that Apollo Creed wants to do something super American for the bicent- upcoming bicentennial, and that's in seventy five. Yeah. yeah, it was my whole that whole year. All of the art projects we did were all. If you look on on uh, on the wall of my at my uh, if you go to the real estate listings of my house because now I have no house, but at the time um, there's an American flag right on the wall of the living room, and that's an American flag I made with fabric shards and elmer's glue what in 1970 in like may of 1976 to commemorate the the uh bicentennial bicentennial and i found it in the bottom of a box about 10 years ago pulled it out remembered it i was like whoa and then i looked at it and i was like this is like a great little flag yeah and i I put it in a frame and put it on the wall, and now it's one of my prized possessions. I wish I'd saved some of the ashtrays I made at church camp. <laughs> Pen- pencil holders? Pen- Mostly like- ashtrays. Yeah. My dad was always sweet enough to use the ashtrays for his nonstop chain smoking at work. Some kind of, some kind of a lumpy thing of clay. Yeah. It didn't even look like a rock. It was just, it didn't, you couldn't really put your Winston in there. I'm sure it was very disappointing. My kid made this. My he kid made this. Say, I'm very proud of him. I love him. He made me an ashtray. <laughs> He's a special little guy. <laughs> Here's another one. I've got another one over here. Uh, we're Christian soldiers, huh? But so we talk about that. Uh, she and I, my my kid, is always like, well, what was it like when you were a kid? And I'm like, well, people put their cigarettes out on you, and no one cared what you did. <laughs> they didn't was, start caring about kids till the early 80s. <laughs> I was talking about this last night. Because I, I went into her mother's room and I was like, listen, you know, it's summertime now. What are we going to do with her? Mm-hmm. And her mom said, well, what did, you, what did they do with you the summer between your third and fourth grade year? And I was like, I don't know if they knew where I was. She was like, yeah, exactly. She'll be fine. Nobody cared about was, kids in America till Adam Walsh. I swear to you, they didn't care at all. They didn't know where I was. And I was like, oh, you're right. Okay, so she'll be fine. He's probably in his kennel. Yeah, I was <laughs> reading some Archie's comics in his I was, kennel. I was reading a book and I was smoking Winston. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but you know, and and that stands in. Uh, it's one of the things also that you know when people evaluate the United States now, which is a which is a popular thing, right? People talking about what the U.S. is and what the history of America sure. is. You know, we were in uh, in very impressionable years in a period where America was in crisis in the 1970s, Nixon and Ford and Carter, I mean, and Vietnam. Inflation, those energy, Iran. Those weren't happy times. Nope. Um, uh, but, but also like that whole, that whole bicentennial thing was a very, oh, and also the 76 Olympics. Remember the Olympics? That oh, was the Bruce Jenner year. Uh, and the Nadia Comaneci. Oh my God! Bum 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 bum. So, yeah, right. So it was a big. There, the, there were a lot of conflicting streams, and 
you know, if you ask my daughter who Thomas Jefferson is, she's like, I'm not sure. You know, she has like a pantheon of American presidents that she does know. But like Jefferson, she's never heard of John Adams because it just doesn't come up now. You know, there's not that same. She should um, become something like a Zachary Taylor buff. Yeah, Something, right. you know what I mean? Like it's it, that it's sort of like buying um, on one of the cheap properties in Monopoly. You know, it's probably pretty well, easy to get in on the ground floor of a Zachary Taylor. Because Ken Jennings comes over every week, and he is <clears throat> he's the absolute prime source uh, for that kind of material. Like, I'll bet. Hey, hey, Ken, give us fifteen minutes on Zachary Taylor, and he's just <laughs> he's just got it. You know, right, he knows right. all of that stuff. So yeah, I'll I'll tell uh, I'll tell Marla to find her president, find one weird. Well, it's like president. you. Everybody's got their own doctor. Like I got the fourth doctor. Emma loves the eleventh doctor. Obviously, like I think it's also nice to have a president. And no, you can't pick Lincoln because everybody. Gets, it's like uh, you know uh, you do a draft of SNL you know cast and everybody gets Phil Hartman just because everybody's yeah. gonna want Phil Hartman. You got to give everybody Lincoln. You get it. That's like free parking. Lincoln yeah. is free parking. <laughs> and Lincoln is one of the presidents she knows a lot about. Cool. That's you know he's he's a banger. He's really he's one of the top presidents. My kid one time, and this is just when she was very, very young, and I, I sometimes remember I, I wonder if I'm remembering this funnier than it was, but she actually did say something along the lines of, Oh, they had color when you were a kid. And I was like, uh, Yes, they did. They did have color. No, but I mean like I remember hating black and white things when I was a kid. Like black and white movies and stuff like that. Yeah. I was like, This is so bleh. even on a black and white TV, I, I was a I was a I was a color queen. <laughs> So I she asked. A, she asked about what were things like. What what is her interest? Technology, culture, how you spent your time. What's the focus for her? I think that it's because she's an only child, and you also have an only child, and I am an only child, and you are an only child. She she has a lot of. Um, she just she was just born having an interest in families. Um, sure. She wants to know family dynamics. She wants to know how people talked. She wants to socially. She wants to understand how families worked. Uh, her mother is also an only child, but I had a sister, but my parents weren't married or, um, you know, they were divorced through my whole childhood and we moved, you know, we lived in Seattle, then we lived in Alaska, then we lived in Seattle, then we lived in Alaska. And so she just has sociological questions like what, yeah. you know, did you open pop cans like this, <laughs> but also, you know, were you allowed to drink pop? Because she's not allowed such, to drink These pop. are actually great questions. Yeah. Soda, soda pop technology changed right before I came into my soda pop era. And then it changed again kind of right after, sort of. Like, I never had to, like, open it with a bottle opener like I was in Animal House. But then you had the pull but tabs. You, and then the pull, pull tabs, tabs. Then the pull tabs. Well, but then the pull tabs became built in. We still, oh, when we take walks through the Confederate uh, Ghost Park, we still find old pop tops on the Do ground. You? Oh really? yeah, not a lot, not a lot. We've we've I think we've exhausted most of the supply, but no, it's a place where a lot of young kids have uh, gone to drink over the years, and so there's some the, pull tabs the earth from keeps spitting at them up, spitting yeah, them up from the it's, Earth is healing. <laughs> Do you remember the pop briefly? The pop cans that had two little bubbles, little metal bubbles, and you would push them both in. One of them was small; it was the vent bubble. And one of them was large, and it was the drinking bubble. And they no. were like – you pushed them in. What, what era are we talking about, 70s? It was right between pull they, – they were like, we can't do pull tabs anymore. They right. keep cutting kids' feet. Yeah. Well, because people, people would cut well, – those. they were – yeah, cut your feet. Or a lot of people, like we used to do, it was a cool thing to do was to like pop it off and then stick it into the can and then drink it, which now oh, seems insane to me. We did that too. Oh, Everybody did that. It was – now it's, it's nuts. What were we doing? Drop them in the can. I so, mean, I'm – Sure, I'm sure the truckers weren't pissing on those. Oh, those they, cans on the pop cans. Now, wait, just so I'm clear, because I want to be able to look this up. Um, is it similar? Okay, so like you know how like you when you go to Arby's, God, I love Arby's. You go to Arby's and you get a diet root beer, and they do a little pop on the lid of the cup. Is it like a semicircle push down thing there? What am I searching for to find this technology? It is that, except in the aluminum of the can. Okay, so it was those kind of little little blisters. And you pushed one down to vent, and then you pushed the other one down, and it opened up to drink. Whoa, okay. All right, I'm looking it up. Um, it was I, – I remember it being a thing for a very brief period in 1980. Okay, okay. Um, I don't 
know how to describe it. Hang on, better hang on, ice, hang on. Zip top, 1970s pull, push button, and stab. Try searching for push button aluminum can. Oh, okay, there you go. Push button, push button. This is great radio. Push button. Uh, yep. Soda can. See that Pepsi? Push button. Push That's button it. There can. it is. That's Look at thing. that. I don't That's remember this at all. So that was a thing very briefly. There's a Coors that does it. That's so interesting. Olympia. There you go, buddy. We had these in in Alaska and in Seattle. Hmm. And it didn't last. Um, and do, are, in searching for it, do you see any dates? Um, Pinterest. I wish I could ban Pinterest from ever Me being Me too. I, I, I hate it, it so, so much. much. It's useless. It's really a terrible, 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 terrible and you app. And you can't – it used to be when I was using Chrome, it used to be you could say I never want to see returns for this given domain. But now I'm 100% Safari. Nobody cares. I don't know. I'll find out. Vintage yeah. cans, Pepsi can. Yeah, thanks. I get it. I know how SEO works. Thank you. It doesn't, there's no information. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Look at that curves. Um, what was I going to say about this with regard to cans? Wow. Look at that. I know. He hates these cans. <laughs> <laughs> the new phone books are here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't trust Whitey. 